What time is it? 1.05, and I'll call the meeting to order. Uh, this is the July 10th Planning Commission meeting. Um, our initial transactions. Do we have minutes for June 12th? Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you for the <laughs> for helping. Um, say roll call, please. Commissioner Here. 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 Okay. Minutes of June twelfth. Minutes? We, we do. Yeah. Okay, minutes. Right here. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Okay, does, do any have comments uh, or corrections on the minutes? Out. Move approval as drafted. A second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Moving on to communications. Any commissioners have communications to report? Okay, moving to the next item, the director's report. Good afternoon, commissioners. Uh, and especially welcome to two new commissioners to me, at least, uh, Commissioner Stefanisic and Morales. I know you were here for the last hearing. I wasn't here, but I'm Jeremy Tajarian. I'm the deputy director of the planning division, and it's a pleasure to be with you today. Um, it's also a pleasure to introduce uh, who will be the next secretary for the Planning Commission, uh, Cindy Palencia, who uh, is here learning from uh, Michelle Damazin, who will be uh, today's secretary, and um, with HHNS for a couple of years before coming here, right? Yeah, so she's not new to the county, but she's new to us, and we're very, very excited to have her. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, so I'm going to keep it brief in terms of upcoming items this summer. Uh, so we have nothing scheduled for July 24th, which is the next regularly scheduled hearing. Uh, now we have a specially scheduled hearing, very unusual for us, but um, under the circumstances, we felt it was most appropriate to have a special hearing. That's going to start at 1, and that's going to be on July 31st. And that is actually a continued item, the Brian Johnson Coastal Permit in Stinson Beach. Uh, this is, I think, what first came to your commission a year, more than a year ago, perhaps. Um, there's been a, a baby in between for the for the staff planner, so uh, she's back and she's been working on it. And um, it's it's definitely a different kind of application what we've seen because it does include a takings analysis. So that'll be coming forward on the 31st of July. We have nothing for August yet, but of course I will let you know. Um, as uh, for the new commissioners, I often do a uh, sort of a preliminary agenda. When I know something, I let all of you know just so you can make uh, scheduling changes if necessary or know when the hearings are going to come up. Um, so that's really all that I had. Uh, if there's anything else you want to ask me before we begin and kick off the hearing. None? Okay. All right, that's it. Thank you. Okay. Um, did you want to... Uh, the item. All right, so open time for public expression. This is a time for anyone to address the commission about items that are not on the agenda. 
Do we have anyone who would like to speak? Okay, we will move on to item number four, the Lucas Valley Talus LLC design review. And if we do have speakers in the audience, if you filled out speaker cards, we haven't received any. So please fill out speaker cards if you would like to address the commission on this item. So I'm gonna turn this over to Megan Alton, the project planner. Um, but uh, just as an, by way of introduction, this is part of uh, one of the properties that's part of the Oakview master plan. I think when I, when I first arrived uh, in 1999, I think at that point, the Oakview master plan was known as perhaps the longest running application uh, of any application that was in. So uh, there's a long history, complicated history related to this uh, site. Uh, and when I say site, I'm really talking about the larger Oakview site, which was then, um, after the master plan, divided up into really four different, um, different properties. Uh, one is an open space area, which is up above the uh, Talus project. Another is on kind of the other side of the ridge, closer to the freeway, and that's the Oaks project, which went, came to your commission a couple of years ago. Uh, it's a residential care facility. Uh, they're beginning construction soon. Uh, <clears throat> and then the fourth was actually, uh, there was an idea there, that the interchange was going to be uh, widened, uh, and there was gonna be some road work from Caltrans, and so that was a, a fourth parcel. Uh, so since the adoption of the master plan, a number of things have happened. Um, the open space above this project was dedicated, it's a private open space, but it's open, uh, dedicated to a community uh, nonprofit. Uh, like I said, uh, the Oaks Residential Care Facility has gone through the entitlement process, is gonna be beginning construction soon. Uh, with this project, um, of course, there's a lot of mitigation measures that are uh, included with the original Oakview Master Plan, and those have been progressing uh, in terms of wet, off-site wetland restoration and other kinds of things. Um, in terms of this site, a couple of things have happened in particular. Uh, the um, subdivision and the subdivision improvements were approved. Uh, and uh, in the meantime, what we call the precise development plan, which is essentially just a, a design review for uh, multiple different lots, expired. Um, which, I mean, the houses were built, were designed a number of years ago, and in this case, they were probably fairly dated in terms of their designs. So I'm sure that the developers would want, have wanted to update those anyway. Um, also, the tree removal that was originally contemplated in terms of the master plan, over the intervening years, more trees grew up, uh, and so they had to do a tree removal permit, and associated with that was uh, a um, plan to replace the trees removed, in addition to replacing trees that were removed as part of the master plan approval. So there's a long kind of history of various different approvals, and um, we are now nearing the end, I think, of those entitlements. We're bringing forward uh, the first set of um, houses to you today. Um, the, uh, the, the scope of the review is somewhat limited. It does not include the subdivision improvements. Uh, it does include the designs for the actual residences and um, you know, the, the um, you know, landscaping on those particular lots and, and, and those types of site-specific designs. Uh, we intend to bring forward this to you today, 
and then we are continuing to work with the developers on getting a complete application for the next set and then that next set is going to be additional homes plus a couple of affordable housing units and we'll be bringing that to your commission as well. Um, as you probably are aware, uh, design reviews are normally going to be um, handled on an administrative level. In other words, they don't go to the Planning Commission. In this case, the Oakview Master Plan has such a long history, it's so complicated, um, you know, it's a, a number of homes in an area that hasn't seen very much development recently. We felt it was most appropriate to bring both this and the next project to your commission for review, um, even though it's a little bit outside of the, uh, of the normal process. So uh, with that, I'll turn it over to Megan Alton. And Megan, maybe you can take the commissioners through a description of the project and talk about the uh, application a little bit. Yes, thank you, Jeremy. So Jeremy did a very uh, detailed history. Thank you, Jeremy. D just to put some dates in perspective, uh, the Oaksview Master Plan was approved in January 11th, uh, 2005, yeah. along with the final environmental impact report. The vesting tentative map um, and precise development plan was approved March 9th, 2009, and the, um, the subsequent tree removal permit uh, was approved August 4th, uh, 2020. Um, and so this is the overall layout of the 28 residential lots that were created as part of this um, Oaksview master plan. Uh, there's some common parcel, um, sorry, some open common space areas um, as well as the residential lots. Uh, the master plan included uh, certain specifications for these homes, including the height, size, general design guidelines, um, and as Jerry mentioned, the construction um, of the site improvements is currently underway. Um, as part of those improvements and uh, part of that tree removal permit, um, sorry, in mitigation measures, uh, 70 uh, trees are proposed uh, to replace the approximately 17 uh, heritage or protected trees that were removed. And this diagram is showing the common or the common area where the vegetation planting is going to occur in front of the subject lots that we are looking at today. Uh, the tree species that um, are included to be planted here are western um, redbud, coastal live oak, and valley oak, um, as long as uh, shrubs and low-lying ground cover. And so today, the lots that we'll be looking at um, as part of this development are lots three through nine. Um, and then, as we mentioned, the remaining lots will come forth at a, a, a separate date. Um, so again, the design review before you today um, discussed the consistency with the Marin County-wide plan, the Oakview Master Plan, and the mandatory findings for design review. Uh, each of the homes before you today includes an ADU that is under 800 square feet per California Government Code Section 65852.2 um, requires the ministerial approval of ADUs that meet the certain specifications. Um, we have included this section of code into Marin County Code Section 2232.120. Um, and the proposed ADUs are under 800 square feet 
They are under 18 feet in height and four feet from property lines. Therefore, they fall under our ministerial category and are not subject to design review as part of this application. Uh, this is the, uh, an aerial image of the project site before the grading had taken place. The red outline just shows the subject loss that we're looking at today. The faint lines are some of the other parcels. I'm not sure if you can see them. Um, so as part of this application, um, there are two different floor plans. The two home sizes are for their building area are 7,000, sorry, 3,114 or 3,712. Um, these totals for the building area size do include the ADUs, but if you subtract the size of the ADU, they fall within the building area cap allowed under their master plan of uh, 3,000 square feet. Um, each of the proposed home uh, is within the 25-foot uh, height limit and is also um, within the proposed building envelopes that was proposed um, as part of the master plan. Um, so this is uh, the first uh, layout. Um, and so this is lot three. Uh, this floor plans includes the living room, kitchen, and garage on the lower level. And then on the upper level, you have a bedroom, the bedrooms and bathroom and a little loft area and a rooftop deck. Uh, this is the overall site plan and included some of the vegetation. And this is a picture of the story poles that are currently erected on the site. And so on lot four, you have the other floor plan. Uh, this is more of a split level. You enter, obviously, up a flight of stairs. And once you're in the front door, you can either go up a half a flight or you can go down a half a flight. So on the lower level, there is a bathroom in the garage um, and the landing and laundry area. And on the second floor, you have the living room, kitchen, and bedrooms. Um, and then these two floor plans that we've seen are just flip-flopped uh, throughout the remaining lots. Uh, lot four um, also does share a driveway with lot five, and those are the only shared uh, driveways that, um, that we'll be looking at today. And as you see, this goes up a slope, so we're not looking at the driveway because the driveway for this property is in front of um, lot five. This is the house on lot five. It's just a flipped version of four. Uh, this has a better image of the shared driveway. This is a picture of the story poles uh, in front of lot five. This is uh, the house that's proposed on lot six. And the story poles house proposed on lot seven. This is the house proposed on lot eight. And the final house that we're discussing today would be the house on lot nine. 
Um, with that, the recommendation to your board is to conditionally approve the Lucas Valley Talus LLC design review um, here today to answer any questions you have. Um, our planning staff, as long as staff from the Department of Public Works Land Division Group um, and the project applicant team. Um, and I know the applicant team has a, a presentation for you as well. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, we'll go on to uh, Commissioner comments and questions. And starting off, I'm going to call on Don to give us uh, some additional background. And yes, <laughs> actually, as Jeremy indicated, this prop property project has been around for longer than any any other project in the history of the county. Uh, my first involvement goes back 40 years. In the early 80s, um, the then Daphne's, who were the sole owners of it, approached the county about developing it, and they proposed 108 single-family homes entirely on the ridge line. And at that point, because of the dual annexation policy, uh, if you annex to utility districts, you also have to annex to the city, the county referred the application to the city of San Rafael. And the city of San Rafael declined to annex it because the access really didn't make any sense. The ac vehicular access was off of Aaron, and you had to go through the, through the city to go through the county to then get back into the city. So San Rafael declined um, the, uh, the suggestion of annexing the property, and it came back to the county, and the Daphnes didn't do much for a long time. But actually, the first item, the first agenda that I had when I was appointed 20 years ago, the spring of, of, of 2003, was the environmental impact report on this project. And the planning commissions uh, spent numerous meetings going through different alternatives, um, looking at the constraints. And there were a number of constraints, including some uh, native grasses that were on the property, drainage issues, which affects this property because while you'd think it drains into Miller Creek, it actually drains into Las Colinas Creek and the downstream in the city of San Rafael. Um, drainage facilities weren't adequate. That's what led to this uh, requirement for the retention basins on site and the condition that there be no net increase in site runoff because otherwise you had to actually increase the size of a culvert under Highway 101 which would have been prohibitively expensive to do. Um, and there were mitigations, impo me measures imposed in the IR um, regarding um, uh, mitigation for the native grasses and the heritage oaks. According to that area photo, there are a lot more trees there now than there were back at the time we looked at it. But the, the, the staff and the planning commission came up with this concept of keeping development, just extension of the residential development on the uh, west side of the property through extension of a few cul-de-sacs, nothing on the ridge line at all, and a requirement that that actually be um, donated, 70 acres of the 108-acre property or something, be donated to Bryn Community Services District, which has happened. And in addition, there was, in terms of traffic impact, the city had long-term plans to improve the, um, the Smith Ranch Road uh, 
Lucas Valley Road interchange to put a southbound off-ramp that would come down to roughly the area where the new signal is that goes to the Kaiser building. So rather than going around and making a loop and then having to make a left turn, you'd actually have a free right turn onto Lucas Valley Road. And I believe that is still in the works. The city's been collecting money for it, that project for years, and it was quite um, objectionable to the property owner, but the county required that they donate the eight or nine acres uh, to accommodate that freeway interchange improvement. Um, the other side of the property started out with two office buildings totaling, I think it was like 140,000 square feet. It ended up through the review process being changed to the assisted living facility that has then subsequently come back, I think it was 2009 or something, and they were with a new developer and some changes uh, made and some requested and not actually approved by the county. But I think it's important to realize this property project has a, a long history and there were a lot of public benefits that accrued as a result of it. And this was a development that 20 years ago um, the county felt was the most appropriate way to develop this property. And in those days, again, where this project is proposed, it was primarily grassland with a few scattered oaks. Um, there are now actually more oaks um, in that area, but and there were a lot of conditions imposed on it that actually applied mostly to the subdivision map, which is actually not uh, before us today. Um, but other ones involving the project, including the six inclusionary below market rate units that development is required to to approve. And I think I went back to try to read the conditions, but the county archive only goes back to March of 2005, and this ordinance was January of 2005, so I never could find it. But I know we did make references to ADUs, uh, second units in those days. Um, and I think there were a certain number that either were allowed or required, but it was only few. It wasn't this current concept. But ADUs were always envisioned as uh, being incorporated in this project in, in in some way, not to the way that they're proposed now, but anyway, I thought it would be important to at least give a little history in terms of how we got to where we are today, um, which is, I guess, at this point, close to may what may be the final hearing on, on this subdivision. Right? So did you have any uh, questions oh, for I, staff I, or the Yeah, I did, have, I did have questions, um, which I might as well go through now. Um, I know we uh, specified the size limits because we were concerned at that point we were seeing subdivisions where they were approved and then years later huge houses came in on those relatively modest lots. And what I couldn't uh, determine because I couldn't find the ordinance itself was was this 3,000 square feet, was that floor area or total building area? Building area including the garage, floor area only the living space, but habitable space, right? It was total building area. Okay, so that would have included the garage. Um, okay. Um, and then uh, my next question was regarding the six inclusionary units, slot one and two and then... <coughs> and then 11 or 11 12 and then the 27 28 were all designed as duplexes. Um, 
I assume those are still part of the project. The staff report mentioned subsequent application for lots two through 28. I assume that application will also include the inclusionary units on lots one and two adjacent to this one, but. Yes, so the inclusionary lots are on one, two, is it 12, 13, 27, and 28. And are those envisioned the way they were uh, described in the master plan as being like duplex units? Sorry. They are, they are attached uh, duplex units. Um, in the land, I think you touched on it in the staff report, the um, tree replacement mitigation is occurring in the strip between the existing homes and the extension of Aaron Drive. Was that where most of the proposed, the required trees were actually going to go? And are those going to occur with the, this development or at the end of the project? Or Because they're basically across the street from these proposed homes. But. Yeah, so there's, I mean, there's the tree mitigation that's involved in just the master plan, and then there's the tree mitigation which is involved with the tree removal permit that was issued a couple of years ago. And so um, and in the uh, presentation, the trees are the same, but they're actually demarcated differently with, with color to show which one is mitigating or replacing for, for what purpose. So the majority of them are in that down slope area, which is a common parcel. Um, but not all of them. So there are also tree, there's also tree replacement uh, in the um, landscaping strip in between the sidewalk and the roadway. And I assume those are where the red, red buds are going because they're more that kind of a tree. But uh, I don't remember the complete breakdown actually. Are we going to see uh, the landscape plan for the rest of the improvements, including the mitigation? for these houses, uh, like with the ne next application? or we Not for the... any plan for that. Um, for the individual lots, right. yes, but not for the common areas, because those are already approved either as part of that tree removal permit a couple of years ago or as part of the lands, or, or as part of the um, improvement plans. Okay, so there's no um, subsequent uh, approval review or approval required for what happens in that buffer area no I mean Megan showed you the the plan as it stands right now and it's mostly replanting native trees at very low maintenance you know <coughs> and actually the final question I had was um, in the staff report in the chart in the staff report and in the resolution it has the floor area which is the floor area in the house plus the ADU, the living space. One of the uh, floor plans, um, lots four, five, and eight and nine, I guess, have oversized garages. Did we add the oversized? At the time this was approved, I know it was 540 square feet was exempt from. It's the same now, yeah. And so was that 91 square feet for those four units 
added in to the floor area for the chart? Yeah, so anything over 500, so just back up a little bit, the county defines floor area differently than it defines building area. So the county defines floor area as um, basically the horizontal interior space um, that has a imaginary box of seven by seven by seven. Um, but it discounts uh, 250 square feet of accessory building area and 540 square feet of, uh, of uh, garage space. So the question is, some of these are garages are over the 540 square feet, so the way we handle that is that we add that additional uh, square footage onto the floor area calculation. And it doesn't really matter too much in, um, in most cases in planned zoning district, but it does matter in this case because there is a 3,000 square foot cap not including the ADUs. Okay, and Megan, that was included in the calculation in the chart. Okay, thank you. Those are my questions. Other commissioners? Just one follow-up question on the common area planting with the tree mitigation. What size trees are those uh, will be placed there uh, once they are planted? I think it's 15 gallon, but I, do you happen to know? It says uh, the plan's denoted a 24-inch box. Oh, 24-inch. Okay, 24-inch box. Thank you. Any other questions? So, just one go ahead. Uh, um, pardon me. Uh, when, when do we expect this landscaping to go in? So, the land, I mean, it, it, it's going to depend on what gets constructed first. But the landscaping is going to not go in until um, construction activities have gone far enough that there's not going to be any potential impact on the landscaping. So uh, in terms of the final inspections for the roadway improvements and those types of things, um, my guess that is that you know all the utilities, all the paving, all that's going to need to be done before they actually put in the plants, plantings and the sidewalk strip. Um, the ones that are down slope or above Aaron Drive, um, those will hopefully be able to go in earlier, but we don't we can't necessarily you know force them to go until uh, the final inspection. That's a, that's a, the standard timing for um, landscaping is uh, required that, that final inspection. And, and just to make sure I understood you, the point that you made earlier, um, you're saying that the only landscaping that's before us today, is the actual on the, the, the landscaping on these on these lots, these specific three through nine lots. Yeah, that's the scope of the project is just the individual lots three through nine. So my question about the landscaping is whether landscaping as part of the lots will be required on the cut slope portions of each lot below the drainage channel. The Landscaping will conform to the landscaping plan uh, in the packet before you. If so there's nothing shown there. It's it, the the yeah. landscaping that's proposed is all in the front yards and to some degree on the side yards, but nothing on the cut slopes in the back. Yeah. Um, so yeah, <laughs> that's my question. Is that's, there pro any? that's probably true, and and I and I will also say, um, in terms of landscaping and the approach that the county is taking to landscaping, um, we 
in general are not requiring landscaping as much as we used to. Now, I mean, the applicant can correct me if I'm wrong, but MWD did require purple pipe for this project, but just in, in general, unless we're actually seeing some, some need to screen a property or um, for environmental purposes or what have you, um, we're not going to require landscaping because of the irrigation that's associated with it and water conservation requirements um, that are increasingly strict from the, um, from the water districts. So one of my questions has to do with the stability of the cut slopes and the contribution that landscaping might make to, to increasing that stability. So is, is that something that staff can comment on? Maybe staff from another department is looking at that? Um, well, yeah, I mean, if, if DPW wants to add anything, but the DPW looked at the, land, at the proposed mitigation for the slopes, slope stability, um, and the improvement plans and um, reviewed that in terms of, you know, the engineering studies necessary. And had landscaping been required, they would have required landscaping. So, you know, those engineering studies indicated that no landscaping was necessary. So it will be the homeowner's decision whether to look out at a bare cut slope, is what you're saying? Well, I mean, not, you're not gonna ever have like just a bare slope, people will, do something with it, but but whether or not we're going to require trees or anything like that, of course, that's well within your commission's purview today. Um, but it's not shown in the landscaping plans. So, can people terrace it um, outside of the building envelopes? Uh, I think development is limited outside of the building envelopes, so terracing that entire slope would not be allowed. Any other questions? Yeah, if I just follow up on your yeah. questions, which were ones I had also, I, I guess I'm looking from a different point of view, uh, and that is the slope stability. Uh, should there be any limitations then on what people can do with those slopes, just from a point of view of not undermining the stability of the slopes that exist, which are in some cases pretty steep? Well, I, I mean, I think it is limited because it's outside of the building envelope. So you, you're not really allowed to have construction um, obviously, there is there's the drainage, the concretized change, ch channel, which is there. Um, but apart from that, outside the building envelopes, you're not really allowed to have construction. So, you know, once the uh, grading permits are finaled and the work to mitigate the slide that was there, um, all the other erosion control that's uh, necessary during construction, once that's, you know, all taken care of, at that point, um, I wouldn't anticipate anything more than just, you know, plantings if they choose to have them. That would be it. And what about irrigation? Then could people add their own irrigation to those uh, slopes? Um, it would probably be somewhat up to the local um, uh, MWD or NMWD, I guess, in this case, um, <coughs> because they're not allowing necessarily a whole bunch of extra uh, irrigation, but. Yes, I think that, you know, under our code, they would be allowed to increase the irrigation upslope, yeah. Actually, as a point of information, the building envelopes do go up the slope. Yeah, they're in the, they're in the building setback, and some of the envelope is in the slope. Mm -hmm. So another question I have is, how tall can a retaining wall be before it triggers a permit requirement? It depends on the location. So if it's facing out, so say you have a, the, the house, 
and then the street and below the house you have a retaining wall that triggers a design review at uh, anything over four feet however if it's facing in towards the property in other words so if it's behind if a retaining wall is behind the house the then it's six feet so they so a homeowner could put an up to six foot retaining wall dig into the slope and plant without any permit or any review of drainage i see someone shaking their head i just want clarification of that but that's a different what, what the requirement would be so design review is different from building permit yeah. of course <laughs> yeah so um, drainage would be required for any um, retaining wall that's subject to a building permit and any building permit with surcharge is going to be subject to a building i'm sorry any retaining wall with a surcharge is going to be subject to a building permit so how tall can it be before it typically re require it creates surcharge and requires the building permit is it case by case review no it depends on the surrounding slope if it's a flat area then it's going to be i think four feet but I'm, I'm pretty sure it's four feet. Okay, so obviously what I'm interested in is whether additional change could occur on the cut slope that might destabilize the slope through homeowners' um, attempt to landscape. So retaining walls, like you know most other things that require building permits, uh, may not be subject to design review, but they still are subject to building permits. And no, no I meant building permits. And usually the building permits will come through the planning division to review. So we're still looking at whether or not they're conforming to the requirements of the building envelope. So outside of the building envelope, I understand that there's building envelope which goes up the slope, but outside the building envelope. So you're saying in summary that there's a low chance that, that, that uh, dis disturbance of that cut slope could be done for the purpose of landscaping without the the county being aware of it and take and requiring whatever was necessary to maintain that slope stability. Yeah. Any other questions? Oh. I did have one, and that was um, re regarding the intent behind uh, one of the conditions here. And this is condition five on page 27 of the staff report. And it says, before final inspection of the second or subsequent residence, the applicant shall construct the required affordable housing units, uh, make all required arrangements for their dedication as affordable housing and so forth. So they can only build one house before they build the six below market rate units. Yeah, the I'm not sure what the rationale was behind that. The rationale is we always require that uh, affordable housing units be built along with the rest of the development. Um, the, my understanding is the developer is planning on building all the homes at the same time, except they want to have a model home. And so we decided it would be best to allow them to build the model home, which is the one house. I mean, there's marketing and other, you know, things that need to go along with that. So we thought, well, that that's fine. They have a reason for wanting to do that. We'll let them do that, do that. But then, really, the rest of them should should all be built at the same time. So only a model home, and then beyond that, they will have to construct the below market rate units. Right. Which, which point you're on, Don? Which one's on? Um, uh, five on page twenty-seven.
Also, is this may not be before us because it would have been required with the plat, but was a homeowners association required? Yeah, and actually there's some questions in there about, you know, future responsibilities. And right. uh, I think one of the questions was about um, a GAD, which is a which is a special district that sometimes are creative versus a homeowner association. So it's going to be a homeowner's association, which is responsible for um, future maintenance um, of the common parcels and then also the mitigations for, um, for slope, slope stability. So we open the public hearing then for the with the applicant's presentation. All right, thank you. Hello, good afternoon, commissioners. My name is PJ Dute, and I am a representative with Haven Development. Um, I'm accompanied by several members from our team, so I'll do a brief introduction, but then really let some of the specialists speak to the landscaping and some of the other questions that we have today. Um, we have a very brief presentation just to help guide me through um, some of my thought process, which I think Megan will actually lead for us. Um, so project history, you know, I, I've got to say, Commissioner Dickinson, you did a fabulous job. I actually learned some stuff that I didn't know before. So I think between you and Megan, we've, we've really covered that. Um, one of the things I did want to just focus in on is that originally when we came into the project, these were actually 22 three-story home designs. And what you see before you today, the redesign includes 22 two-story home designs, which we thought is definitely a big improvement for the overall area. Um, as well as the six two-story home designs, which are the duets, actually, the affordable ones. Um, with that, I'll just move on real quick because we've got some great history. Um, so today, we've got the 28 two-story homes. We are bringing in front of you the lots three to nine design. Um, and really, when we worked with the Dolling Group, which some of you might be familiar with, and Don Rickey's here um, from the Dolling Group, you know, we all kind of sat down at the table and we said, you're right, Megan, these are, these are dated plans. We actually have an opportunity to do something better, especially now that we're a completely new chapter and now our name and really our legacy is going to be associated with this, so what can we do? Um, we drove around. We drove around town. I got introduced to Joseph Eichler Design. I learned a whole bunch about architecture that I didn't know before, learned about Frank Lloyd Wright and this, art, this masterpiece that we're sitting in right now. Um, and I think that's kind of what we charged it with. We said, let's make this modern California home. Um, let's make sure that it really fits what we've seen when we do drive around Marin County on some of our field trips. Um, so that's what we were charged with. We thought that made a lot more sense than, you know, the community I'm in, um, my developer did all of the Spanish homes. So everything has the exact same white stucco and arches and red roofs. But stuff, that type of design just wasn't conforming to what we have in beautiful Marin. Um, so that was kind of what we were charged with. Um, we will, uh, I just wanted to share this with you in case you start seeing it, Legacy at Lucas Valley will be the marketing name that we have agreed on if we do bring this forward. Um, like you said, 40-year Legacy, really one of the longest running or the longest running project in Marin County. Um, so we just thought that the name was, was very fitting. So even though it's coming to you under planning applications as TALIS sometime in the near future, I just wanted to make sure you guys were first to know that it will be presented as Lucas Legacy at Lucas Valley at some time. Um, with that, I think the next set of plans that we'll bring forward to you will also have the site plan or the um, site marketing plan. So that'll come before you in the near future. 
And really our purpose of the site marketing plan is to make sure that all of the signage really helps guide anyone who is visiting the community safely through a guided path so that we have minimal disturbance to the surrounding community. And I'll go into that in a minute. I think I don't have to tell you, but you have amazing community ambassadors and we had an opportunity to meet with several of them. Um, so real quick sidestep on and many names associated with Talus over the years. Um, Haven Development, we are a new chapter. We're actually family owned and operated, so myself, um, my significant other is in the audience today. Um, we found babysitting for our three, otherwise they were planning to come along as well. So we are a homegrown company. Um, and then also we're, we're really big about building has come in as this big bad developer who doesn't care about Marin. I'm, I'm a Marin County Sonoma between the endocrinology department here, right here at Kaiser, um, and then moved up to Santa Rosa Kaiser. So we know this area, love this area, um, considered a part of my, my family history growing up. Um, we give a lot of care and attention to the job site. So when we held the event that I'll go over in the next slide, it was really about making sure that all of our neighbors, whether Lisa, Al, um, Ellen, Aaron, they all just through their streets. I'm sure there have been incidents with all the previous um, companies and developers that own this project, but that's wanted straight. Um, so we did have a really great meeting with them. Uh, I think we can jump to the next slide. So this was the, the meeting that I'm referencing. It was held on Friday, June 2nd. We actually sent out the mailer to everyone within that 600 foot radius that the planning department is also using. Um, really just to give everyone an opportunity to talk to all of us. It was you know open mic night, if you will. We said, ask all the questions that you wanna ask of us. Let's walk the site together. Let's discuss what these story poles and flags are um, and what they, what they mean. We had a great dinner with everyone. Um, and I think the biggest takeaway for me that night was I had um, a wonderful resident from Erin um, come up to me and she said, you know, I heard so many rumors on Nextdoor and you were able to debunk them all tonight. And I think that was just a huge takeaway from us or for us and for our team. So these are just some pictures from the events that we held and we led guided tours. So we walked all the way up to the top of the ridge line, talked about every single lot in detail answer all the questions, um, really wanted to make sure that they were ambassadors. These are going to be their future neighbors, and we wanted to make sure that they were comfortable. And we got some kids showed up, made some friendships, so it was a great start. Um, and we got some really good feedback as well. You know, there are some great ideas about how nurses, first responders, and one of the residents that came, her son is a teacher in the community, and how they would love to move into this opportunity. And we thought that was just great, that we're already seeing the community excited. Um, so I think it was, it was a great event. Overall, um, double check my notes because I'm just going off on the cuff here. Um, I think I might have covered everything. I think I can turn it over to my, my consultant team with all of your specific questions, but I'll be hanging around as well to answer anything else regarding Haven itself. My name is Prem Dute with Haven Development. Um, I am the president of the company and uh, kind of the vision behind the company. I wanted to just quickly briefly touch on the, the landscaping portion above on the hillside and hillside slope stability. So as Jeremy and Megan both mentioned, um, the, the section up there on the hillside is going to be maintained by the HOA. 
And so it's within the, within the CCNRs to be maintained by the HOA. The intent of each lot is to have the actual homeowner fencing be on the home side of the V-ditch or, or the, the drainage ditch that's up on the hillside. And the portion that's on the upper section of their lots is going to be maintained by the HOA. So that whole slope side, the stability of it, is a responsibility of the HOA as a collective. It's budgeted for that way. Uh, within our CCNRs, we'll have plant material that is low, um, low water usage, but conducive of that kind of a slope side to provide more stability, more root structure, et cetera. So that's definitely something that's on our radar. Uh, in addition to that, as part of our civil engineering practices and process, we have Dan from CBG here, we are actually, the retaining walls that we are installing in the rear yards are providing for drainage, subsurface drainage, um, as well as we're going to install um, French drainage to, to allow the water to move away from the hillside and around the home and then directly into the storm basins that we have, the bio areas as well as the, the uh, storage areas. So, so I just wanted to kind of touch on that. Um, as far as the landscaping and the common areas, that is the responsibility of of the development group uh, that's there currently doing all of the horizontal work. That work will progress. I think currently they're finishing up joint trench. Uh, they have a paved date uh, of sometime in the beginning to middle of August. Uh, the landscaping in front of lots three through I think eight or so, three through nine, that landscaping will start going in alongside these homes. But as Jeremy mentioned, as the process is you know, building homes, you've got to move dirt and things of that nature and this heavier equipment. So it'll kind of go in an organized fashion so we don't put landscaping in and then have to tear it out or, or have it be damaged, et cetera. Um, so that will go in. The model that Jeremy mentioned will, will be fully landscaped right off the begin in the beginning. The area of the entrance off of Aaron Drive will, will all be landscaped. And so the idea is to try to create that, that visual for our future residents of Marin that this is what, what, their, what their residential neighborhood will feel like and look like as they're looking at homes. Um, so, so those things will, will be uh, definitely processed in a scheduled manner. So if you have any questions, we have, Don, uh, as uh, PJ mentioned, we have Don from Dolan Group. We have Dan from CBG, a couple of other members from Haven Development. Just let us know. Okay, any questions for the developer group commissioners? Go ahead, Don. Uh, let me just ask, is it your intention to start construction on all the houses at the same time or to do it in, do the construction in phases, kind of as we're seeing a phase here? That's, that's a great uh, question. So we are phased, our, our Department of Real Estate phasing that we just submitted is I believe we have five total phases throughout the entire project. And that's also tied to the budgetary constraints that we have for, for all of these different things that are, the HOA is going to fund. The intention is for us to start the model home and then immediately after that go into the production of the, of the homes behind it. Um, as Jeremy mentioned, the affordable units will be built concurrently to uh, the, the market rate units. So we'll work our way down the street from lot, you know, production lot four all the way through nine. And then in the next group, next group that we're hoping to bring to you in August, um, we will ultimately have the affordable units. I think they're on 12 and 13. Yes, lots 12 and 13 of the, the, the duets. We'll work our way up the hill, hit 27, 28, and the last to be built will be lots one and two. But all of that will be built in the same, you know, in, in a concurrent path. Um, I guess I didn't understand in terms of the construction of the uh, below market rate units. Well, 
some units be built with this uh, phase one? Because we are here today only for three, lots three through nine, we don't have any below market units in that group. The next group that we're going to bring to you has all the rest of the below market units. So the first phase will be the model home. We're hoping at that point, if we have lots, what is it, uh, 10 through 28 and lots one and two and before the commission and approved, we can have that phase, that phase of production include lots you know, 12 and 13, right, as part of that first phase. So we definitely want to build them together. It's just the way that we're having to process it is taking us a little bit longer. We had to cut, up, cut it up into two pieces. Will the model unit be uh, on lot three? Okay. Um, I just want to clarify what you answered before. The below market units will be built on the second phase, although they're we'll try to We'll try to keep them in the first phase. It just depends upon how quickly we can get lots 10 through 28 before the commission. Got it. Because the first set that we can build are in that next group that we're going to bring the commission. So the condition of approval is for final inspection. So you could theoretically build them all and have them all pending final inspection. Correct. Yeah. Our, our intent is not to hold them back. They're, they're part of the whole project. We want to get them built as we build the market rate project. So what is the affordability level? Um, I believe the last calculation that was done, these homes, and again, the interest rates are changing that. But it is 80% AMI. Um, there's a calculation that that housing does, but I believe they're somewhere in the 330,000 range per unit. So, what the the dedicated units, the deed restricted units, will they be tied to an affordability level? There wasn't a requirement for that. Is that correct? Well, Jeremy? there's there there is a requirement, and there's a calculation for how to price those units. And, so are and they low, very low, or moderate? Is my question. I believe they're low. And when we did the last calculation with Marin County Housing, the price point for each unit was about $330,000. Okay, thank you. Anyone else? Um, I do. I just want to. So you are requesting for a conditional permit review, right? Am I clear on that? Yeah, so it's the design review for multiple lots uh, today. Um, we have the design review application for all the rest of the lots in right now. Um, they're still working with Public Works on some issues around driveway turnarounds and things like that, but we hope to get that complete soon. And once we have that complete, we'll be scheduling it for the next hearing before your, before your commission. And my next question is, so between today and the next meeting, if you bring it for review, um, what happens in between? Does this move forward or is this stalled again? So they'll, I mean, as soon as this is approved, they're going to, in fact, they probably are already working on building permit plan sets, right? Building permit plan sets are difficult, uh, complicated technically, and you have to go through the building permit process, um, which can also be um, extensive. Uh, they'll be working with us to some degree, but more with the building and safety division and, of course, the Department of Public Works about all the civil engineering requirements. I have an additional question for you while you're at the mic there, and that is I find the concept of designing new homes with ADUs that could be used or not used because it, it, as an interesting concept in, term, in terms of 
transitional housing. I mean, if a young couple bought the house, they wouldn't need what could be four bedrooms. They could use the three in the house and rent it out. If the family grew, they could reclaim it as a, as a family bedroom. As they become empty nesters, they could then uh, either use it as an office or a family room or a gym. But they would need the space, but they'd have the option built in already there of, uh, of, of an ICADU. Have you done this development um, elsewhere where the units all have ADUs? And then what is your experience in terms of their use? Great question. So we have done this, uh, this type of concept before in Walnut Creek. Uh, we have a project there that was completed with ADUs. The only difference was those ADUs were on the second floor. And so what, what, what we learned from that project is it's, it's much more efficient to have it on the first floor. It broadens the uses, but you're exactly right. The ADUs can be used for offices. They can be used for what, what the marketing term of boomerang kids is, the kids that go to college and come back and they stay at home still but want some independence. They can be used for uh, you know, a new couple that's renting them out to have the affordability level given that you know, the Bay Area has gotten much more expensive. Uh, it can be used as for, for empty nesters who would maybe want to live there and rent the main house out. So there's so many different uses and what concepts. In our project in Walnut Creek, we had a wide range of uses. One's being used as an au pair unit um, for a live-in uh, kind of nurse uh, to help with the, the, the folks that live in the home. The other one is being used as a uh, unit for the, I think, mother-in-law? Yeah, mother-in-law from Argentina lives in that one. Uh, another one is being used as, as a office, and I'm not sure what the fourth one is. It's a playroom for the two kids. So it's kind of a wide range of things, um, but it does allow a lot of flexibility, both with finances as well as with you know multi-generational units and having parents come with you. We ourselves have a home that we're building that has an ADU where my mother is going to reside, so it allows for that flexibility for us to take care of her and her to take care of us at the same time. I mean, I mean, uh, uh, we're kind of getting into a discussion about things, and but I think we need to have a public hearing. Right. We, 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 so, is there anyone would like would like to address the commission? We've received no speaker cards. Uh, everyone in the audience is uh, either staff or with the development group. Okay. So, are we ready to close the public hearing? We, do we want to have Commissioner? Con do you have? I just want to point out how amazing that is. That there's that not a single. Yeah person from the public here to speak? <laughs> I'm from the public, but I'm not here to speak. I live across the street. Okay. Okay. I want to, I want to uh, shout out to, to Megan and also to the, app, to the applicant group for, for reaching out to the public. This is the great. largest residential subdivision the county's had in 20 years. Yep. And can we so show the applicant's video? Sorry, we actually forgot to mention we do have a, a video that's been put together by the Dawn Group that I think is very informative. But do you want to show the video as part of the public hearing? Would your commission like to see the video? It does show colors and materials, I think, a little bit better than I the, reviewed it prior yeah. to the meeting. So for those for commissioners that haven't reviewed it, I would recommend that we show it if it's easy to do that. Let's do that then. My, yeah. my guess is we've we've all reviewed. We were sent yeah. it, but I have. But but I okay. No, well, there you go. And and for it's any short. members members of the public um, watching this um, on online, that they would probably appreciate yeah. seeing. Yeah, that'd be great. Okay, so let's go ahead and see that.
So, uh, all right, we'll close the public hearing and we'll bring it back to the commission for comments and recommendations. Go ahead. A couple things here. I was, um, well, I have, actually have a question first back to, back to staff. Um, the, um, on the landscaping plan on site, uh, the one thing that concerned me initially was it seemed to be that all the trees were deciduous and it would seem that over time, it, it, for all seasons, there'd be a mixture of deciduous and evergreen trees. And that's why I just wanted to, uh, first of all, confirm uh, the, the trees and on site, will they all be deciduous or not? And also now it appears that there will be oaks along the roadway. So obviously the, the, the oaks would provide year-round um, if they're, um, there's a coast oaks, I guess, would provide the year-round um, uh, leaf coverage. But that is a concern of mine of having a point in time during the wintertime where you'd have all the trees without, without foliage and therefore the camouflaging would be, would be lost. Yeah, I think there are also oaks kind of on that, you know, common area down slope above, right. above Aaron. So I think right. it's going to be a combination of, of both. Um, we had not really identified that as, as, as an issue. We can take a, a, a look at that, of course, and if you want to condition it, um, that's well within your purview to, to change. Um, but the, the mix right now, I think we're, we're relatively happy with because it does seem to um, have both deciduous and evergreen um, and these are native species, which we generally do recommend um, uh, as in terms of um, tree replacement. Also keep in mind that the trees that were removed were oaks, so they're replacing them in like kind. So, yeah. Yeah, one difference, though, would be now you have structures that are, are elevated on pads, and that does visually, because just looking at the site from many different locations around uh, the valley there, the homes will stand out. And that's why, again, I think the landscaping does play a key part in softening uh, the look of the homes. Uh, the other thing is, when I first uh, saw the plans, it did seem to me the homes were very dark in color. And then seeing the video uh, really was a wholly different uh, image of the, of the color schemes. So I'm assuming now the video gives an accurate portrayal of the actual colors and materials of the uh, homes that will be constructed. Yeah, it's probably more realistic, although caution, I mean, you're not going to get totally realistic um, colors or colors in, in, in either on screen or in paper or anything. It's always going to come out being a little bit different. So we're looking for it to substantially comply with those. But what you are seeing, I think, is, in, you know, the trend now is to have higher contrast. So you're going to get those lighter paint colors or, you know, material colors and the darker ones. Um, so this is, uh, I would say, pretty much what you're going to see in most contemporary developments, that, that higher contrast. Yeah, I, I like the higher, the contrast and the use of some different colors. I mean, I wouldn't want to see all just very bland earth tone colors there. But it's just was initially, I have to say the plans look very dark with both the stone and the color of the buildings, but it does seem, and looking even at other drawings shown on the screen here, that the colors are lighter. And I, my concern is only that it does, that is, I know colors are, are hard to represent, but just that they wouldn't be too dark in terms of the overall colors used on the project. Has the applicant given us uh, color specifications, uh, manufacturers type and color codes? Oh, very, mm. Yeah, for materials. Very frequently that is required for design review. And it does address, then it's, it can address your issue. 
you have those. Do, we, do you have those available? Actually, I think they're specified on the plans. They're on the, are they on the plans? Where are they on yeah. the plans? Manufacturer and color. And Is it on the detail sheets? They're on the elevation yeah. sheets. They're, they're they are, although I have to say, even how they reproduce our own plans, were, they're much darker than right. right. what we what you see on the other plans. Okay. Okay, so you, you at least have that to start with when it comes in for review. Yeah, of In course. terms of the consistency with what we're looking at. Yeah, and we always inspect at the end. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Anyone else comments? Peggy? Um, I have a, um, a, question, a question and a comment. But, um, but re re before we get off the issue of materials, no material board? I mean, um, uh, that's a, a common device with design review to have, to have a board that's got the actual samples of the, of the materials that's... Yeah, we don't require material boards because we can't keep them. So we require that all the materials be shown on the plans and have specifications on the plans. Um, you know, sometimes uh, uh, developers will create those for public hearings, but they're not something that will be actually used in terms of specifications for condition compliance. No, I meant more for this process for review. Right. I would recommend for the future um, that we ask uh, developers to do that. Um, I, I had a question about um, the the front yards, the um, uh, like what what we just saw, um, and with the plans. There's there's um, there's no fencing around any of the front yards. They're all open, um, which is a nice look. Um, the but there's very little flat land on most of these lots. Um, I mean the the yards tend to slope up pretty quickly, and I know they're all a little different, but um, I would guess uh, if the only flat land is, is in the front yard that there's going to be a desire on the part of homeowners to fence that in and use it as a yard. Are there any kind of restrictions with the HOA or um, can people put up a, a fence and if so, of what height and what material? It's up to you. Yeah, well, you can give your intent and I can talk about the code. How about that? So our, intent, our intent when we, we designed these new plans was to create outdoor space that was usable that was in the backyards or in the actual building envelope itself. So if you look at all of the different plans, they have these outdoor decks. So for example, the plan one has the living space on the second floor with the outdoor deck that opens up to it. So that can be used. It also has, if you notice on all of the plans, all the plan ones have exterior stairways to backyard space that we're creating using, utilizing retaining walls. So our intent is to kind of have, the, have our, 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 uh, our future homeowners use their backyard space and their decks. Um, the front yard space in reality, whatever's flat, mainly is driveway, generally speaking. There's not, there's not a lot of flat dirt space, and the, and the fencing it was not installed because the original intent was for that landscaping to flow throughout the project as kind of one continuous piece. But, but, the, but there's, there, uh, there's no, um, no uh, barring someone from enclosing their front yard? Well, I think planning has guidelines of line, line of sight guidelines, et cetera, where it, fencing can't be installed over three feet. <laughs> HOA, we could, we could add it in the HOA where, where it cannot be enclosed. That's not, I, I generally, I don't think that that's going to be something that people would be doing given we are putting the backyard space in. Yeah, I mean, so. It wouldn't be my experience, but go ahead. It's not <laughs> my experience either living in the community. We're seeing, as time progresses, we're seeing people walling their properties in everywhere for privacy. Yeah, I, um, I think you're right 
to a certain extent. Um, however, I mean, having it designed such that there's um, open space that doesn't need to be fenced off is, is one good way of, um, of addressing some of that. Um, also, the fact that these are not actually right next to the roadway. A lot of times in Marin, what you have are um, properties that are right next to the roadway. There's no sidewalk, there's no landscape strip, there's no parking. Um, and so what you have is cars passing by right um, adjacent to your property, so people want to fence that in. In this case, um, I think the fact that there is a landscape, there's a sidewalk, <laughs> there's a landscaping strip, there's parking, there's a lot more space in between the front of the property and the actual vehicles passing by is also going to um, make it a more pleasant environment in the front yard. But that said, you're still allowed to have a fence in your front yard. There's standards in the county code. Um, those standards are generally four feet high in the front yard and six feet high in the rear yard. And, and the process to, to put in that fence is what? Um, typically, there is no process. You're just you just it build in. it. If it's not retaining, yeah. yeah, not retaining. So, is it something that we could add as a condition? Yes, you could add it as a condition, but I will place a proviso on that. That's very difficult to enforce because there's no permit requirement. Right. Right. And I will tell you that com faces uh, complaints about fences are a very, very low priority for our code enforcement. So a more effective way, if we didn't want to see fences, or if we did want to see fences, we would perhaps want to see them integrated so that all of the front yards, so that it was consistent with the, the design concept of the subdivision, um, would perhaps be to require it to be addressed in the HOA, and that would be self-regulating. Um, yeah, I think that, yeah, that's a valid point. Right. So we could do that. To address that concern, well, I, I I I like that idea of um, well, I agree with you about <laughs> just just generally um, if the county is the enforcer, um, that that's difficult for things like fences. Um, if it's if it's in the HOA guidelines, the the homeowners can enforce against each other. I mean, they can they can say, hey, it's you know, I mean, there's a there's recourse. Um, but I do think that the the kind of open concept there is. Um, Lovely, and it seems um, uh, that would that would be broken up a lot if you know every lot or every other th every third lot was was then fenced in with a four foot fence. Um, in some neighborhoods, that's fine, and lots lots of Marin, the neighborhoods are anything but sort of consistent. They're 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 um, everything, um, but here you've got this design concept, and I think that that's something that ought to be addressed by, the, that the HOA ought to be required to develop a front yard um, fence policy. Um, and and I, I, I'm less actually concerned that, that uh, exactly what it is that, that you have one. Um, and um, and so, that, so that going forward, there's some, there's some design continuity with whatever happens. I think it's, I think it's in the interest of of uh, the property too, uh, the co uh, collectively, to have some control over that. Yeah, I, I don't think we're opposed to that. We can add it to the HOA and the CCNRs such that it's reviewed and 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 um, I, I don't I don't have an issue finding a way to prohibit it effectively. 
right, or for, to, to keep it from occurring. And, and I, I wasn't even going to go that far, but um, I wouldn't object to you going that far, but I, what I was just suggesting is that the HOA be re required to, to develop and enforce a front yard fence or lack thereof. Right, and we, we, we can do that. We can definitely do that. And that it should be limited to the four feet. Yeah. Because with we, lack of enforcement such as it is, there are many six-foot fences in front yards. Yeah, Some thank you. Some even in the right-of-way. I was going to add that. I think we, 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 we can certainly add a condition, and we would include in that condition that they would be, uh, that the HOB would be required to have a fence standard and that that fence standard would, would need to comply with, uh, with the county code's uh, fence standards as well. Does the county code have a requirement for transparency for fences? Um, not at four feet. If it goes above four feet in the front yard, then it needs to be 50% open. Okay. I, I, I would actually, personally, I'd prefer to say, you know, not exceeding three feet, but um, which is a, a much friendlier fence. It keeps dogs out if that's a concern, but it doesn't, um, it doesn't, it's much less of a vis visual barrier. But uh, the main thing, I think, is some, some kind of continuity. The last thing I want, uh, maybe I don't know if it's the last, but for the moment, last. Um, the, um, I just kind of want to make a comment about the ADUs. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm delighted that, that there's ADUs across the board. Um, I, I am, however, disappointed that, that the ADUs are so very much um, part and parcel of the house, um, including that uh, in, in one of your two designs, the, uh, the entryways are separated by single-digit number of feet. Um, they're, they're, ba they're basically just in a perpendicular corner to each other, which to me greatly lowers the likelihood that it will ever, in any iteration down the future, be um, rented out to an unrelated uh, group, that, that it won't just be used by family. It's so integrated with the house, and it's an internal connection, of course, which can be closed and locked, but, um, but it really seems like it was d totally designed to be the guest quarters, spare bedroom, you know, not to actually have, you know, have be uh, very rentable, and and I think in the future, um, I mean, I, d I don't know what if, what if any control we have over that. We I realize we don't have control over the the ADU, we do have control over the building it's attached to, um, but um, uh, I I for one think when we're talking about something from scratch that it's not a big lift to say that the uh, entryways to ADUs ought to, ought to have some physical separateness to to just. It can still be used uh, per law, you know, by family members, a granny unit, a, you know, anything like that. But I think it just makes it more plausible and comfortable um, for it to be um, rented um, it, by third parties who aren't just part of the family. So that's my two cents. I don't know what, if anything, can be done about that, but um, I'm, was, I was, one of the two designs doesn't do that, and that's better. Um, but the other design does, and they're super close. Yeah, it's tough, right? Because, I mean, well, it's easy to say the, the ADUs are not subject to discretionary review. I mean, they are part of the whole building, right? So it's very hard to look at them separately. But we do need to try to do that. Um, you know, you're, you're not allowed to require passageways under state law. Um, so I, I, th I would be... Um, I think we need to be cautious about having any requirements to detach the ADUs. I, I, I'm not, not sure. Not detach them. Not detach them. Just 
I was just talking about uh, having have the entryway be located uh, uh, separate from the entry to the main house, as it is in one of the two models here. They're all completely attached, and I don't have a quarrel with attached. It's just there's attachment, and then there's like, you know, indivisibility, which is kind of. Well, stretch. I mean, I think you could require that they move the entryway for the main house, but not for the ADU. I, I that crossed my mind, and that's 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 the, uh, probably a bridge too far today. But I think as we're looking at these things for the future, and and as as they're going through the an earlier stage of the planning process, that um, and maybe it's maybe it's a policy question at, at some point um, to to take up, but. Um, uh, when you're talking about a brand new building, it's super simple to simply have those entryways be be on 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 different planes, or um, but can still be totally attached, can still connect on the interior, um, have the ability to connect on the interior as long as it's a firewall, um, uh, a fire rated door. But um, at any rate, that's just my two cents. I was I found that disappointing. I think it reduces uh, future uses. Um, so one of our constraints on this specific site, and I, I would agree with you, but most, most, in most cases we want our ADU entrance to be either in the side yard, in the backyard, and that's most of our ADUs that are attached are designed that way. In this specific site, we're, we're very constrained with where the buildable pad is and the slopes that we're having to work with. Uh, that same constraint came up with access to pg and &E utilities and where we put them. Uh, our, and with that, our move to eliminate gas altogether on the site and go full electric because we didn't have pathways to get to other portions of the ADU. Uh, on, that, on that plan specifically, it's really right up against the, the edge of the bedroom of the ADU is up against, uh, you know, slopes and it's got deepened footings, et cetera. So I, I, I would agree with you, but it, we were constrained heavily by the site on this one. Go ahead, Don. I had uh, <clears throat> a number of comments. Um, first of all, I think the uh, proposed um, development of the lots and the subdivisions already exist, and lots of building envelopes, all the improvements already exist, um, is clearly consistent with what the intent was at the time the master plan um, was approved um, by the county. Um, I do have a question. Public Works representative is here. Um, a critical part of the subdivision, and I realize the subdivision map isn't before us today, but I'm just curious. Um, the two memos from Public Works indicated that that um, they still needed to submit, submit calculations to show that the retention basins were adequate to... Um, result in no net runoff? Is that the case? I assume because they're engineered, they were part of the subdivision map, that they were approved by Public Works, but. They, the, we had copies of two memos from Public Works on completeness. And the memos both referred to the fact that the applicant was going to have to submit. And some of those comments related to the subdivision, not to what we're looking yeah. at today. But I was just curious because um, So the, the drainage improvements are sized for the, uh, for the proposed 
um, homes and the rest of the subdivision. Right, and yeah. I assume they were reviewed by Public Works. They have been reviewed, yeah. Okay, it sounded from the memos, it sounded like they hadn't been reviewed yet, which seemed kind of strange. Yeah, it's a little bit confusing, but I, it, it's just basically what those mean is that they've reviewed them, they're fine, they're sized for the development. What those mean is basically when they come in for the building permit, they shouldn't be changing anything so that they're no longer sized for that development. It's it's just a, it's just a ver that basically they're going to verify okay. that they've done that they've done yeah, the right well, thing. Well, I assume yeah. they had to have approved them as part of the subdivision improvement plans, but um, it just surprised me the wording in those memos. It's like they hadn't really checked it yet. Um, yeah, that's not the case though. Okay. Yeah. Um, in terms of the ADUs, I think this is a, a quite quite interesting concept to design houses with the flexibility that they can be used in different ways over over the the, the different occupancies of the of, of the owners uh, and I'm not particularly concerned about the entrance it looks like it's about eight feet away in the one and you could actually move it farther away um, but it it does kind of enter into a courtyard in front it's not like you have two doors next to each other even it it is clearly a separate entrance, um, um, and I think it'll be interesting to see how these how these ADUs are actually used. Um, in effect, there are three bedroom houses with an ADU, or four bedroom houses with a family room, um, or a guest room, or uh, uh, whatever. But it it does create interesting flexibility that's designed into the project. It's not something that's kind of an afterthought later in terms of how do you create a very pleasant um, um, additional uh, potential living space there or a space that could be used by family members or by the family as an office in a family room or whatever over time. It is it's interesting, an interesting design way to accommodate changing circumstances. and, and I. I I, I'm actually really impressed by that. In terms of the house designs, I think the contemporary design you've come up with is very attractive, um, and it, it shows in the elevations. The um, elevation drawings obviously make the colors look a little darker than if you look at the individual samples. On some of them, it's actually a light stone color. It's not even a dark stone color, but that doesn't clearly come across in the drawings. Uh, and I'm actually quite pleased that you're have chosen a darker palette because a darker palette tends to make the houses recede as opposed to what we could have seen, white and light gray and, and white trim around the windows and all. And um, I, I think it, it's a very attractive design and actually uh, very appropriate. And uh, read as a nice little 28, 28 lot subdivision. In the video I noticed there were renditions of the um, ADU units, and I assume that is close to what is actually submitted in the next application we'll be seeing. I mean, they were similar similar character. Uh, they didn't have as much detail as maybe the houses have, but um, I think they fit very Correct. well yeah. with the neighborhood, the, the duets. So. Right. They're, they're, they're similar in nature. They have similar, you know, uh, contrast. Um, you are correct. There are little. There's a little less detail regarding stonework, just for the from the cost standpoint. But we wanted them to blend in and not feel like an afterthought and or feel separated from the community. Yeah, and actually, other than the fact that they have 
two garages, you wouldn't know that they're actually even two different units uh, based on the architecture. Uh, as I in indicated, I think the darker colors are preferable actually to what most people, we have a lot of, um, of um, natural wood siding houses are being painted white these days when the intent was to make them fade into the natural environment. And I think your choice of colors are appropriate, particularly, and this is a very brightly lit site. So the colors, are, it's not like they're gonna be in the shade of trees, um, at least for a long time, but it's very brightly lit. So I think the darker colors actually are appropriate. Um, I think parking, if the ADUs are used as a separate unit, um, the parking configuration is gonna be difficult and the tenants are gonna end up parking on the street because the driveways, um, even for the primary resident, if they're used for parking and not storage, um, they're gonna have to back down the driveway to get to the street. And they're really, because of tandem parking and tenants and moving cars and juggling it, I think it's gonna be difficult, but I'm convinced that a lot of these won't actually be used by separate households. So it's not like every house is gonna have two cars in for the principal resident and if two, if two adults, two cars for the, for the ADU. So I think it'll work, but it is gonna require use of some um, on-street parking. Um, in general, I think it's actually a very, very good design, very appropriate, and it's kind of telling that as I indicated, the largest residential project the county has reviewed in 20 years um, uh, has no opposition to it. And I think you <laughs> deserve compliments for that. But anyway, I am prepared to support a resolution um, uh, approving this. I did have some wording change regarding the finding about project design if we get to that point. So. Okay, any other comment on this slide? I, I had one more question, which is that will the Homeowners Association have um, authority over changes in um, material color over time. So we've talked about the color and um, the paintable surfaces because we do see over time um, changes in fashion about color. And so clearly the concept here is a unified approach and a unified design. And so if you haven't contemplated that, that would be something I would like to encourage either to keep it the same or keep it within the range or have it all changed together, which would probably be a strong impetus for it not changing, is how would you get everyone to agree? <laughs> I, I don't know, I can't recall if we have an architectural review committee as part of this HOA, but definitely we'll, we'll, we'll keep that in mind as we kind of go through that process. But I would agree, we, you know, we don't want a pink house popping up in a purple house and you know, Believe me, it happens. Oh, no, I know. I know it does. <laughs> uh, the goal is to have it stay as beautiful as it is when we leave it and, and, and be a, a great community. So we'll, we'll talk with our um, uh, Department of Real Estate attorneys and whatnot and figure out how to kind of incorporate that with, with the least amount of burden to the residents. So is that something that we want to include in our resolution, or can we, Jeremy? Well, again, I mean, you can have a condition um, saying that the uh, CCNRs need to include uh, controls um, on fencing and, and colors and materials. Uh, 
Yeah. If you'd like to have that, uh, yeah. And we, we would just ask the, to, to add that they also conform to county requirements. So. Right. Yeah. It's the most we can do. It is a master plan, so it seems reasonable. Yeah, we can add that condition if that's uh, something that you want to add. Are we ready for a motion? Any other comments? I have a question. Have a question. Um, so the, because this plan that's been on the table for a while, um, the number of affordable housing units, was that decided on the previous, the first one, or is that a recent update? And who gets to decide that? You know, let's say versus six versus four or 10. I think that was decided in the master plan. It was. It was yeah. 20%. Yeah, but that 20% has not changed in the intervening years. It's the same now as it was then. And the affordability level of low that we've heard about today, is that also included in that approval, or mm -hmm. is that flexible? Uh, I don't remember if it was approved, included in the approval, but, I mean, it's either low or very low. And um, Master plan does say low yes. or very low. Master plan says low or very low. Okay, so yeah. we, we couldn't see it slip to moderate is what... No, 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 that's not affordable. Okay. Right, so. And they're deed restricted to that. Yeah. Yes. Right. And they're deed restricted. And, and typically the county housing authority <laughs> administers that program right. in terms of all right. tenants and resale if that occurs. Okay. Right. And, but it will, is this going to be an ownership form of, of affordable housing? Potentially? Well, uh, I'm not sure that that's um, defined yet. Okay. Um, we, I mean, we're assuming that it is. But there's I mean, no requirement. As long, yeah, as long as it's affordable, I don't think we're right. going to be able to control that. Okay. I mean, sometimes that is a condition of approval, but. Um, I don't think not that's in, this in our case. Code. That was not included I mean, in the master plan? Yeah. Uh, I think the assumption was there would be owner occupied, but I don't know whether that was specified. Yeah, I'm not sure that that's specified. And also, I mean, as you're probably aware, the county has a severe. Um, lack of rental housing so right I'm not I'm not saying anything about it I was just wondering if it was stipulated I don't believe so and, and the other thing is in terms of the calculation I'm not sure it's always done the way it was here here is 20% of the entire project which ended up with six units for 28 units in fact what you have is 22 market rate units and six low market rate units. So it's a right. higher percentage in the way uh, it's sometimes calculated, but. Mm, I don't. No, I know, in terms of the county, but I know other jurisdictions oh, other have inclusionary yeah. requirements. They like add the below market rate on top of the, it would have been 4.4 .4 units and then, but. In our code, it's the total right, right. now. And it's nice that they're not clustered, that they're distributed. Thank you. All right, thank you. Terrible moment for my phone to be going off. <laughs> well, let me just turn it off here. My apologies. Okay, are we ready for a motion? Do you want to make a motion? I'll start, and then we can add any conditions that others would like to add. So I'd make a motion to adopt the resolution approving the project with the conditions attached by staff. I would also would add the condition of um, including a, or adding additional condition, which would provide that the CCRs shall provide for standards for fencing, 
color and materials, which also shall be in conformance with uh, county codes. Any, any amendments to that? Yeah, I have an amendment, and this is on um, uh, page five of the um, attachment one. Uh, under project design, and I think this more adequately, uh, more accurately describes what is proposed. So it would say near the middle of that, um, an earth and tone color palette would be utilized for the exterior materials and would include a smooth stucco finish, horizontal lap siding, which is an important feature of all of the houses, insert that and then say stone veneer rather than dark stone finish because some of the stone is actually a lighter stone. And then say black window frames rather than dark because I believe they're all black. And then black or gray roofing because I think they alternate between some houses have all black roofing and some have gray. And I, if someone nod if that is not correct. <laughs> I think that was an accurate description of the materials that were actually shown on those. I, I think it is, uh, Don. The question on the roofing, though, some of the roofing, was that gray, the lighter color, or was it have a little different tone to it? Some of it's gray, it seems like, yeah. So it would, you would say, it would say black and gray roofing materials? Mm -hmm. One was called weathered wood, which is actually a gray tone. Okay. Right. Actually to yeah, it, but, okay. And then some it said specifically black with right. manufacturers. Right. Okay. Any other amendments? Oh, the other thing I would do is suggest on um, the wording regarding the fencing to add something to the effect subdivision CCNR shall include standards for and restrictions on French yard fencing and on exterior building uh, colors. Make sure we get that in there. And building colors. And if the developer does as part of the CCNR, then you don't have to worry about the homeowners agreeing to something once right. the lots are sold. <laughs> Makes sense to use the words um, that the, the, the shall um, as, in the CCNRs um, as establish and enforce said fencing and policy and colors. We can add that, sure. Mm -hmm. And it would be in the form of a condition added to the at the end of the list that we have here. Right, right. sure. And then uh, to be reviewed by staff. To be reviewed by staff, sure. And was, oh, uh, is that consistent with your intent as well, in terms of the motion? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah oh. Actually, um, consistent with what I was proposing. Right. Actually, I should have seconded that before we got mm -hmm. into well, discussion. We got, but we so can I'll formally say, does the secondary yeah, agree no with the that. changes? But you're the seconder, so right. I think we're okay. We're good. <laughs> Okay, any other changes? Yep. Okay, can we have a roll call, please? Aye. 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 Thank you. Oh. Eight business days. Eight, all right, this is a decision subject to appeal with a, an appeal period of eight days.
congratulations. Thank you all so much. Appreciate congratulations. it. Congratulations. We look forward to seeing the next group. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you to staff for the site visit. Appreciate your time very much. Yes, I do too. Thank you. That was very, very helpful. Good, good work, Megan. Mm -hmm.